is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host Brandon, Joe, my host Dan, Matt, lost special time. All right, we got a we got a good one here. No Nick. Uh, he had a root canal, so hit him up on socials. Let him know that if you've been through that, uh, it sounds terrible. I can just imagine a drill, Dan, going into his mouth. I, I guess the real question, Matt, root canal are being asked for the billionth time, what's going on with Rudiger Christensen? What's uh, what's more painful? Well, well, given that I have avoided the dentist for about the last seven years, I think I'll, I'll keep taking the contract questions. I'm Look, I don't mind that. I'm not a squeamish person, but the dentist I avoid at all costs. And, and touch wood, I've been lucky with my teeth. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not the person to ask about that. I'd run a mile. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, well, yeah, we've got Matt back. So we obviously want to talk about, uh, you know, what's going on with Chelsea. It's still technically a transfer window, although a lot of us would be forgiven if we were oblivious to that. Uh, so we'll talk about Chelsea striking out with bringing Emerson back, Aspi Laqueta, and why these next few months may be his last at Chelsea. Christensen Rudiger updates, if there are. And then obviously talented Academy players on loan drawing some serious attention and much more. Uh, but before we get into that, you know, we're just kind of laughing that we're sitting here. End of the transfer window. Dan, no matches for a couple of weeks. We're just, I don't know. We went from like, go, 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 to just release and questioning what we do with our time yeah well there was the pumping of the brakes and then i think before we even want to get into that like the more breaking news type thing is frank lampard potentially taking another premier league managerial job matt at everton after backlash from the owners and maybe on the touchline when chelsea go to face them at the end of april this year what look i hope i hope events don't overtake us by the time the show goes out but yeah sitting here on uh on thursday afternoon frank is he could currently be in his second interview actually he's uh he's due to have his second interview um Pereira was the favorite but the fans have, have put the uh put the fear into the owners and, and as we talk today frank lampard is definitely the favorite for the everton post he definitely wants it so, like I say, look, things are moving quickly on this. So it could have moved again a little bit by the time the show comes out. But at the moment, there's a very real chance that Frank will be the next Everton manager. Frank and Jody show again? No. Frank Frank won't work with Jody again. Oh, didn't know that. That was a genuine <laughs> question that I clearly have uncovered something I was unaware of. So, understood. No, I mean, I, 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 I don't think there's any fallout between them. Um, but I think that they both want to well i say they both want to go in a different direction frank wants to go in a different direction frank has told jody um that when he gets a job that jody will not be part of his staff um it is frank's decision not jody's albeit like i said i don't think there's been a fallout so if and when frank gets a, a new job there will be a, a slightly new look staff under him i think yeah which would be interesting are there any other names? Obviously, we saw Joe Edwards, who was involved in his staff, uh, Chris Jones, any others who you think might be lured away at working with Frank again? Joe, well, Joe Edwards, yeah. Um, look, I don't know what Joe's plans are, but I know that I think it's pretty clear that Frank Lampard would like to work with Joe Edwards again. The two of them are pretty tight. Uh, they've holidayed together, and I know he rates him very highly. I don't know... I genuinely don't know whether Frank Lampard has plans to bring in a slightly more experienced assistant because that, that was something he got a little bit of criticism for at Chelsea that maybe he needed a bit more experience among his staff. 
but I would for sure think that Joe will be one he'll want to work with again. So if he gets a job, that's a watch this space for Chelsea fans in terms of Joe's future. As I say, I have no idea what Joe's plans are. And Chris Jones, I would, I would again, I would assume he would be part of any any future Frank stuff. And I'm, I don't know why I'm doubting myself now, but I'm Frank. Chris Jones isn't at Chelsea anymore. I'm, I'm I was about to say and suddenly no, counting no, no, myself. He's no. So he he's free to to go with Frank wherever he wants. So. Yeah, the makeup of his staff will be very interesting, I think. And I would imagine, look, anyone who takes that Everton job will definitely have to find space for Duncan Ferguson. <laughs> yeah. Who and you would imagine, and again, I don't actually know this, but all these ex-players of a certain calibre seem to run into each other at variants and things. I'd be very surprised if Frank Lampard and Duncan Ferguson don't already know each other. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, Duncan Ferguson has like the Steve Holland role, right? Where he exactly. was that yeah. that he was that consistent character throughout all the different managers, you know, at Chelsea until he lost him to uh, the English national team. Um, so, I, I yeah, that that makes sense. Um, interesting. Oh, I just thought, what do you are you paying attention to this NFT NFT stuff mainly with like John Terry leading the leading the the trouble, stirring up a bit of controversy. I am. I am. Our paper, it wasn't me who wrote it, but our paper story about this yesterday because uh, I don't know whether it's John's fault or whether the owners of um, the the company he seems to be working for is fault, but they've, they've got themselves in a little bit of a pickle over the fact that they've been using um, trademarked images, i.e. the trophies. I mean, all the, tro- all the major trophies are trademarked images. You can't just use them. Um, without an agreement and the same goes for the shirts and the awkward thing is is that one of them obviously is a Chelsea shirt and John's back working at Chelsea and, exactly um, <laughs> and even though John's involved Chelsea will look into that because they're not going to have we all I don't understand NFTs very much I've tried to read up on them and I'm, I'm trying to understand them but I know that obviously some of these NFTs can can go for a lot of sort of virtual money Bitcoin whatever and, and Chelsea aren't going to let their badge be, be sold like that, whether or not John Terry's involved, because that's that's their trademark. So, yeah, it's become controversial. And it's a it's become a bit of a controversial thing on Twitter, hasn't it, as well? You know, every time he posts it, I see that there are very different responses to him. Some people don't seem bothered by it. Some people do. I find it all a little bit weird, I've got to admit. But I, I think there's a bit more to run in this one, I've got to say. And I have noticed that... Uh, that since the stories came out kind of mid-morning yesterday, there's not been a little, not been quite as much noise around his NFTs up till now. So I don't know whether discussions are currently going on in the background or between lawyers or what, to be honest with you. I'll, uh, I'll send you some literature, Matt. Uh, I'm, I'm not pro uh, NFT personally, but uh, I've, I've read into it. So I'll See, I, I've tried to, look, maybe I'm not intelligent. I've tried to read into it and I've tried to read about five different articles on it and I find it all so impenetrable to actually feel like I've got a proper grasp of it. Uh, look, my honest answer is, Dan, I, I think I don't like them. <laughs> I think I'd, I think I don't agree with it, but I wouldn't want to get into a debate with someone who knows a lot about it because I fear they'd probably pick apart my argument. I'm, I find the whole thing very, very difficult to feel like I've got a proper understanding of them. Well, and if you just like dumb it back down to the football fan, right? Like we didn't want to follow JT for him to push NFTs on us. We liked it better when he was talking smack to other football fans when he first joined. That was the JT we enjoyed. Um, on, a, but, on, a, 
on a really serious note, and sorry to be a sort of, um, I don't mean to come across as pious at this, but the, the, the one thing I would say about John is that I really hope he doesn't undo a lot of the good work he's done because he's been at, he was at Villa for three or four years doing the right thing. He got his head down. He was doing his badges. He was doing his time. He was learning well under Dean Smith. Whenever he did speak, I thought he spoke really well about what he was learning. When he first came out of Villa, I thought he spoke some really great interviews about what he'd learned in his role as Dean Smith's assistant. And I do worry that he's in danger of killing himself a bit here because he's gone onto Twitter and his first kind of thing on Twitter was, as you say, um, having a bit of a laugh and, and sort of abusing a few people on Twitter, which was funny, but chief executives are not going to like that and football clubs are not going to like that. And then his second thing is NFTs. And I really w worry that four months of hard work of trying to get into a position of becoming a manager, which is what he has gone on record as saying he wants to do. I'm only going by his words. He could undo it all in six months on Twitter. He really could because chief executives and sporting directors, quite frankly, are going to be laughing at him at the moment. And that's a real shame. And that's where I really hope John takes some good advice. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, all right, well, let's jump into the running order uh, now that we, we circle the wagons a little bit. So Emerson sounds like he's not coming back ever. <laughs> uh, so obviously Chelsea tried Leon wouldn't budge uh, Emerson is going to stay at Leon for the remainder of the year I mean does that sound like might as well just sign the contract and get him fully on Leon's roster and books well I think it's pretty clear that Leon will will try and sign him at the end of the season given how how hard they fought to now keep him um, and potentially make it difficult for themselves to take players on loan from Chelsea in the future because Obviously, Chelsea will always have that in the back of their head in future that, you know, do we want to loan to these guys? Because if we need these guys back, we're not going to get them back. So I think Leon will definitely try. Um, but other clubs might try. And also, Chelsea clearly really... I mean, it's been interesting these last month or so that it's become clear how much Tuchel and Chelsea actually really like Emerson. And I've started to almost think that they... They like Emerson more than they like Alonso, you know. Um, there was even talk that when they were trying to get Emerson back, that they were promising him that if he came back, he would actually come back as the first choice left back straight away ahead of Alonso. And that was part of the sales pitch. I imagine that the the decision on who to, to sort of loan out or get rid of in the summer was very tight between them. And it just came down to who attracted the offers that, that Chelsea deemed the best. So... I'll be interested from Chelsea's perspective where they see him potentially next season because I get the feeling that if Emerson were prepared to sort of play the Marcus Alonso role next season, that, that Chelsea would take him back and maybe at that point look to get rid of Alonso. But look, having played a full season at Leon and with a World Cup uh, coming, obviously, in, in the Christmas, I, I don't think Emerson's going to be one to be sitting, coming back to sit on a bench too much. So, you know, with the return of a healthy Reese James here, hopefully soon, the emergence of Saar playing across the, the back line as well, and then also seeing back four defenses, it almost seems like maybe Tuchel's prepared himself mentally for the lack of a, a wing back kind of signing in this window. Is that kind of how you're reading it as well, Matt? Yeah, I mean, this is always a dangerous show for me, the pre-transfer window show. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I put on Twitter today, I think doors are still open because no no sort of club shuts all their doors with, 
with a few days to go the transfer window everyone's open to discussions and open to things but it really wouldn't surprise me now if, if Chelsea don't don't sign any fullback or wing back they've obviously looked at a few things they've not been able to do what Emerson it feels and I hope I'm not speaking too soon on this but it feels like they've looked at the desk one and maybe thought mm, we could but do we really need to uh, they're very confident that Reese James will be now available for the Club World Cup. So he's only really probably missing that FA Cup game now and he's back. And I tend to I tend to agree with them actually. You know, I don't put it this way, if Manchester City or Liverpool uh their first choice left back injured and their second choice left back was someone of the standard of Alonso, who I know splits opinion. Um but he's not a championship player or something. You know, he started the season as first choice. I don't think they'd be rushing out to sign another player. I really don't. I think they'd be making do with what they've got. And Tuchel, it was short-lived because he got injured, but I think it's in Tuchel's head to maybe look at Reese on the left sometimes and have Aspie on the right. He's got other options, right wing back, where he can move Reese over to the left. We've seen that he's played this back four with Saar as a left back. They've only conceded... If you go back to last season when he only played the back four once against Leeds, I think he's now played it four or five times. They've only conceded one goal. That was to Brighton, and I know that was a poor game from Chelsea. But that will give some confidence that they can play back four. Tuchel shown he can adapt. And the other thing that's different in this window is that Tuchel, Tuchel so far, which has been a massive surprise given what we heard about him at PSG and Borussia Dortmund, has been calm as anything in the transfer windows. He's not banging anyone's door down. He's not sending messages saying we need this, that and the other. We've got to do this, that and the other. The message from Tuchel's side has always been, if the squad stays the way it is, I'll, I'll get on with it and that's fine. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that, to be honest with you. And clearly his first choice was to bring Emerson back, which shows that he likes the continuity. Probably had second, has had reservations about bringing someone new into the squad. When you look at how long it's taken Saul to settle down, you probably think of bringing a guy from abroad. If it takes them as long as Saul, then that's the end of the season. You know, at least Saul's got this second half of the season. So I think there's a lot to, to weigh up. But personally, I, th I think unless there was a really obvious one to go out and get and that they could do on some sort of deal that was suitable to them, and I've spoken to before about the fact they don't want to sign one permanently at the moment, I think they're probably right in their situation. And yes, they could end up with egg on their faces. Reese James could get injured. Marcus Alonso could get injured. But all football clubs walk that tightrope. They all walk that tightrope. You can't cover every single eventuality. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that we've seen the back four a few times, you know, recent. He's probably trying to figure out, does it work or doesn't it work, you know, before the end of the window. And I think, you know, based on some of the, the minor success you could you could look at, it, it's at least a viable option, uh, the way if the you team look, is set up. It is. And in the league, I know, obviously, the Champions League is a different kettle of fish, but... In the league, you've played Man City twice, you've played Liverpool twice, um, you've played Tottenham twice, uh, and you've played Brighton away. Which, if you look at the top, if you look at the hardest games that the, the top three have had, Brighton are actually in there. They've caused all the top three problems. Um, so there's probably also a little bit of we've we pretty much played our toughest fixtures. We're pretty much over the hill. So again, and. Let's face it, we've talked about this before. Chelsea aren't going to win the league now. But are they going to slip out the top four based on what they've got squad-wise? No. If they don't get in the top four, it won't be because they didn't sign a left-back. 
it'll be because some you know other things have gone wrong or players have underperformed or players have done this that and the other it won't be because they signed another left back this this squad with the fixtures they've got left should comfortably finish in the top three now and if they don't it's not because they didn't sign another left back we can point backwards to all the uh the draws <laughs> exactly exactly and it will probably be attacking issues or it'd be people not performing as they should be but it's not because the board didn't sign a left back the, yeah. the champions league slightly different I'm, i i think it may be uh makes them a little bit weaker in terms of contention for the champions league okay um talking about uh some stumbling blocks with their captain uh, you'd actually tweeted Aspilicueta to hold more Chelsea talks before deciding his future as Barca lie in wait. Um, you know, I guess, I don't know. Uh, how, how's it going with Aspi? Is it all still calm and is he just looking for assurances? The, the Spaniards the Spaniards think he's going to Barcelona. I mean, a, a Spanish account put that out in the week. It was wrong that it was agreed. But even the Spaniards who, who you talk to who don't think everything's agreed, um, they're pretty confident. Um, from Aspie's side, not a lot has changed when you, you talk to Aspie's side. And that is that there will be more talks and no no decision has been made. Uh, I, I think there will be more talks within the next month, whether that provides a resolution or whether that leads to more talks. But I think there will be more talks in the next month. Um, I do think if Chelsea just stick to a one-year deal, then he will go. But if there's some room for manoeuvring there in terms of options and things like that, then I think it will be a really tough decision for him and we're probably still 50-50. He ideally wants some sort of three-year deal if he can get it, which Barca are kind of offering with this two plus the option. Chelsea might do one plus an option. They've become less strict on this one-year rule for over 30s in the last few years, but I can't remember an instance of them doing more than a one and an option or a two-year on one of them. So they'd have to make um, an allowance for him. So there's a bit of talking to be done. Yeah. But as I say, for whatever reason, the Spaniards seem very sure that, that Barcelona have got a really good chance. Hmm. B obviously we're, we're biased. I mean, Dan Asby in a Barca kit. And sadly it's, it's not really the same Barca that, that, you know, we grew up with. <laughs> they are, they're in a different time point in their life right now. Rebuild would be a good way to describe it. <laughs> Talking like post college, you got no money. You're trying to figure out what you want to do with yourself in life. Wow, you, you took it down a darker path. <laughs> I, I just went with rebuild. Look, I, th- I actually think he would be a very wise signing for them because that 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 dressing room has probably lost that, an awful lot of experience and an awful lot of steadiness over the last few years. I think I think Aspie actually is part of their would be an element for them. And I do think in La Liga, he could probably play on easier to 35 than, than maybe he'll be able to do in the Premier League. Although look at Thiago Silva, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, and if you look at his peers, you don't really see any. Uh, what a what a lucky situation we have there. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break. Uh, we'll be right back. Uh, jumping into Christensen Rudiger, maybe some potential signings as well. So thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. We'll be right back. All right, Dan, I'm going to let you jump into this one. I just feel like I've had to ask this the last three weeks. It's it's your turn. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be the one to be representative of uh, thousands of accounts. Uh, CFC fan five, seven, six, four, three, two, one at Matt. 
Uh, what's the latest with Christensen and Rudiger? <laughs> well, the last few shows I've had to tell on Christensen. I, I, I haven't had a lot to tell you. And at least on this show, I have something to tell you about Christensen. I've tried to garner some information to tell you. So I'm starting to feel guilty. <laughs> so on Christensen, um, basically, we, we know what happened in the first bit. So Chelsea offered this first contract that they thought he'd agreed verbally, never got signed. And then all of a sudden, they wanted all the terms changed. That caused a big problem. Chelsea went back with the three-year deal instead. Again, thought it was agreed and it never got signed. In between all that, Christensen changes agents. Now, I was a little bit dubious about this agent change as to whether it was a football agent change or a marketing agent change. It is a footballing agent change. And I am told that when the agent change happened the new agents went back to Chelsea and basically said, right, well, we start from scratch now because we're new agents and everything you had talked about before is with his old agent. And so we start from scratch. And Chelsea were like, mm, no, that's that's not our reading of the situation. We'll, we'll start from the point where we thought we had an agreement and let's take it from there. And the new agents didn't want to do that. The new agents wanted to take it all the way back to the start, assuming that they wanted to sort of... Uh, just negotiate from a blank piece of paper rather than negotiating from what Chelsea thought was agreed. Unfortunately, that's meant that the negotiations really haven't moved on at all because the new agency wanted to come in and do one thing. Chelsea weren't very impressed with it. And so I think from there, there's obviously been, which they're well within their rights to do because they're allowed to from January, a little bit of garnering interest. And I think I'm right in saying that Lionel Messi's brother works for this new agency that that Andreas Christensen has has joined and and lo and behold Barcelona are very high up in in that queue as well um Bayern Munich seem to have an interest which may be linked to where the Sewell goal goes which seems to be the case at the moment that Sewell will go on a on a free which they could try and almost do a bit of a just put the wages they would have paid Sewell into Christensen but yeah, the, the standoff with Chelsea doesn't appear to have got any better and appears to have just become more complicated by the fact that, that new agents have now come in and a difference of opinion over where negotiations would restart from where they even to restart. I, I don't really see Chelsea budging. They, Chelsea have budged once for, for Andres already. They, they, they wanted him on a five-year deal and took it down to a three to try and get him to sign. They've already budged once and... You know, Marina doesn't budge that much for people usually. Let's let's face it. Um, so I'd be pretty surprised if they budged again. So I think it will come down to what Christensen wants to do. So, so in your mind, it does look like someone like Sewell, who's been a rumored Chelsea target in the past, could be uh, a summer option. Then, given the fact that he's in the the same position at Byron, is that rumored by that Chelsea fan five four three two one as well? <laughs> no, no, it's five four three two one six. Sorry. <laughs> I look on Saul. They've they've looked at him loads in the past. You know, dating back to the Con the Conte days. Um, I think they've got targets above him. To be quite honest with you, I I don't see him being among their top targets for the summer. I still think Kounde will be. Um, but yeah, I I think his situation is more to do with whether Bayern sort of come in strong on Christensen and try and. Um, really provide some big competition for Barcelona. Um, but the, the other thing, Christensen's it's not played particularly well this for Christensen because ever since this has sort of kicked off, his, his form dipped a little bit. Chelsea have got on with things and 
played without him in defence an awful lot and, and not really noticed it too much. So his his hand on the pitch really hasn't strengthened that much either. So I'm speculating now, but I would have thought that, and I'm certainly not talking about the manager, but I'm speculating that there'll be people at Chelsea thinking, huh, do, you know, is it such a big deal if he goes six months ago? I say six months, yeah, six months ago, they'd have probably been thinking it would be a huge deal if he went. But now I'm not sure they will be. So it, I don't think we're probably, it sounds like January is probably going to end with, you know, pretty quiet situation. Yeah. But do you think it'll be like the the last January under Frank where we did those pre-summer signings where like you announce Ziyech or maybe you do a Pulisic with a loan and then you pick him up in the summer? I, like, obviously we talk to people, no one, no one like you, obviously with your sources, but I just, it feels like Chelsea are hoping to get summer business done right now and really haven't bothered too much with January. Could, could well be. I think certainly with, um, Koundé, I, I think they'll be trying to jump, jump the gun because I think they'll be worried of some sort of summer auction on him. I think there'll be a lot of clubs looking at defenders come the summer. Um, and They've got a very good relationship with Kunde's agent that was developed over the summer. Kunde was very, very upset that that move didn't happen over the summer. I think he might have even gone public at that about that at the time. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they try and do Kunde get some sort of agreement before the summer, even if it's not announced. You know, they don't have to announce these deals before the summer and and sort of dot all the I's and cross all the T's. But yeah, um, and yeah, they they could start trying to put the wheels in motion it's it's you know it's it's sensible business to try and do that really because you do avoid that that clamor that the summer can bring um and chelsea actually traditionally now don't tend to like getting into auctions there's there's not many auctions that when 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 the the transfers come along and they turn into auctions it's more noticeable that chelsea don't tend to involve themselves in them anymore they they try and go for the the deals where they can lead from the front. I think probably the last auction they, they really went in on was Hazard. I might be forgetting one. Interesting. Yeah, we might have to peel that back and, and dig into it a little bit more. Um, because that'd be wild if that, was, if that was the last time. But won that I mean, one, big, so I that was big, fun. Yeah. And, and when I say that, I'm, I mean big deals. I mean, I'm sure there's been other deals where there's been lots of clubs involved, but really big deals with all the big guys, all the big guns in. Yeah, and all the big money, all the big wages. I can't really think of an auction that they've they've gone in for since then. Like I say, they they tend to try and avoid them, and they they like they like deals with clauses, and they like deals where they can lead from the front. Mm, makes sense. Uh, Dan, there might be a, a winter signing after me poo pooing that for the last five minutes. I don't know if it's a winter signing, but I think there is the and it feels like it will be this case if Frank goes to Everton, that there'll be players who played for him at Chelsea who will get rumored connected there. Um, Tuchel comes to Chelsea. Dembele, is he an option? Is he a legitimate kind of consideration for the club? Um, obviously uh, has had good and bad spells, but also a lot of injured spells during his time at Barcelona, better time at uh, Dortmund. Um, would he be a, like, it seems like to me, free summer kind of uh, punt on it makes the most sense, but is that where the club might be thinking? Look, the it's interesting. If you think, you know, with, with the left backs, they're not, they're not 
signing a permanent left back this window because that would give them five left backs by the time um, we got to the summer. Similarly, if they're going to sign Dembele, they're going to have to start being sure on on players who they might be able to shift out because they've already got kind of too many players for those wide positions already. You know, Callum was getting frustrated at one stage that he was spending a lot of time on the bench. Ziyech up until recently was getting frustrated that he was spending a lot of time on the bench. You've got obviously Werner, who I think is probably unhappy and will look to leave in, in the summer. You've got Pulisic, who's come out with some quotes on, on American duty, which makes it sound like he's a little bit unhappy, which wouldn't surprise me. They've got, there might not be players that everybody sort of uh, wants necessarily, all of them, but you've still got Havertz, who definitely won't go anywhere, and they're still trying to work out quite where Havertz fits in. I know that, that Tuchel usually plays him more as a nine or a 10 than out wide. Um, so I think for Dembele to come in, it would have to be on the back of a pretty certain departure or two. I don't see them just adding numbers to that that area because like the left-backs, they just have too many numbers. It would be slightly insane. But yes, I could see them. I could definitely see them selling a Pulisic, selling a Werner, selling even a Ziyech and bringing in Dembele on a free because it's clear that Tuchel really likes him. Um, and it would be it would make quite a lot of business sense as well albeit that you'd have to pay probably quite a large signing on fee and large wages so i i think it's realistic yeah but i think it will be dependent on on one or two going and i definitely can see changes in those attacking areas um this summer i think there could be quite quite an interesting period of movement in the summer on those attacking areas well and we've also talked about how the players you just listed off are all very different playing styles as well. So, you know, Ziyech compared to Pulisic, you know, maybe Christian and Callum Hudson-Odoi are similar-ish, you know, but even then I'd say, no, Christian wants to go vertical. Callum's happy to take it out wide and and obviously can be there. But you said essentially Timo, Christian, and Ziyech would potentially look to leave or the club would look to move them on. Does that mean the club have Callum in a higher kind of standing with them? It's a, it's a difficult one with Callum because Callum goes through these peaks and troughs. Mm-hmm. Um, and and one minute, his future at Chelsea cannot look particularly rosy, which I would say back in the summer. And I, I know he could have obviously gone on loan and Tuchel didn't let him, but I think the club would have let him go out on loan then. I think even had, had Tuchel have said... I'll sanction a sale. I think Chelsea probably would have sold him as well back in the summer. Um, and then not a lot really happened with him. And I still think there's probably a period where the, the club would, would sell him. And now I think it's probably turned back in his favour slightly. But Callum's a really difficult one to judge, to be quite honest with you. Um, like I say, he goes through these peaks and troughs. His advisors seem to go through quiet times and then get very busy about talking about other clubs, which I know can annoy Chelsea. Um, the others are slightly more clear cut. Werner at the moment, albeit great attitude, not causing any problems. But I think Werner, if things don't change, will look to leave in the summer uh, if he can. I'm getting a real feeling that, that Christian Pulisic may well do so again. I think he'll have two years left on his contract in the mm-hmm. summer. So you'd imagine that the, the club would look at that situation as well. And Ziyech, up until recently, was certainly thinking about trying to leave in the summer. Um, and whether 
that has changed and whether Tuchel can swing that round because it feels like Ziyech's only real chance of having much of a future is if uh, Tuchel plays more with a four at the back because he's what he can do in the forward area seems to suit Ziyech far more um, and Ziyech becomes almost quite a key player. Do you remember how key Ziyech was under Frank for, for that, that spell when Ziyech was a really key player under Frank for a spell when it was the, the four at the back? Um, so was Christian Pulisic, actually. Christian Pulisic had his best ever spell at Chelsea under Frank with the four at the back. But I would have thought that, that Ziyech's situation will be very dependent on, on whether that, that four at the back is going to come in a bit more. But yeah, all of them want to play more. All of them, I think, would certainly listen to offers in the summer. And like I say, I can see quite an interesting period of movement. How Callum fits into that is a really, really difficult and interesting call. And I, I couldn't really go one way or the other at the moment. And that's where we've spent the most of our time going back and forth, Dan, on text and in, in our Discord and stuff, is trying to figure out the attack and the balance and who might stay and who might go in those situations. So, um, I, I, look, I would understand if Chelsea were struggling to figure out what they wanted to do with all those players. I could see, I could see sort of two going out and one, one big one coming in, and that one big one could be Dembele because even if it's a free transfer, it's a, it's you know, it's a, it's a big deal, and it'd clearly be coming to play. But I, I could see possibly two out and, um, like I say, one big one in. So you know, I think the last one, then Matt, that we'll we'll dig into before we uh, allow you to start thinking about the uh, the post pint on uh, the first of February here. Um, is that, uh, you know, Southampton, uh, recruitment strategy, sign all the Chelsea players, sign all the Chelsea boys seems to be a part of it. Newcastle, newly cash rich, potentially also monitoring one Armando Broja has a five-year deal at Chelsea has started to come around and, and look a bit of a, uh, a Premier League attacker. Um, what's the likelihood that, uh, I mean, we've also heard Tuchel say that, you know, positive things about Broja. What, what would you kind of take as the read on that situation? There's going to be a lot of interest in Broja. He, he's the sort of, um, he's a bit like the sort of Tammy Abraham situation in a way when, when before Frank made, made Tammy Chelsea's number one striker for a bit in that I think he's one that at the moment, half the league will be looking at thinking, you know, can we get this kid out of Chelsea? Because he, he looks, he really looks the part and um, he looks A, like he can score a lot of goals and B, like he could probably make clubs quite a lot of money in the future as well. So I'd imagine there's, there's half the league looking at him, thinking about it. And Chelsea in a good position with him because they've got him on that contract. Uh, but they're in a difficulty because I don't really see how they'd be able to give Brozier too many guarantees is he ready to play for a club like Chelsea every single week? No, I don't think he is. His, his goal record so far wouldn't suggest he's ready to to play for Chelsea every week. I know that people will say, well, he'd score more goals in the best team. And yes, that, that's true. But I, I don't think he's in that position yet. Whether they can get him to come in and be part of the squad would be interesting. But if you're Brozier, I think if you're Brozier, you probably start thinking, well, you know... I can probably go back to Chelsea one day, you know, I go out somewhere else. And if I do really well, I'll end up going back to Chelsea. It's, you know, it's a common path. So I think they, they'll, they, if they want to keep him, I think they might have a fight on their hands, but they hold all the cards because what they, what they always do well is when they let these players out, go out on loan, they make them sign long contracts extensions, which, which 
gives them all the, the aces, really. So they've got it all in their hands. And then we also see that Southampton are looking at, um, you know, more Chelsea Academy players. Tino Andrin. They've got Lina, uh, Tino Livermento. Uh, solid recruiting strategy, I think, from Southampton all around. Go to Cobham, pick out the gems, uh, boost their ranks. Um, Look, I mean, well, Luke, I mean... It's easy to laugh at that, but it actually is a solid recruitment strategy. Oh, I fully agree. I mean, look, we have we have Phil from Chelsea Youth all on all the time. I mean, he obviously ran some raids, and and that's his lane. But like when you look at it, you know, from from Broja's standpoint, I think I guess what everyone's looking at is quick cash to fund other moves. We saw Chelsea losing just shy of 150 million pounds last year. Or you know, you look at your forward depth. You've got Big Rom. And kind of Kai are the two players you would play like in a 10. Broja would come in for depth, but would it stunt his progression, which is the shitty decision that clubs have to make every single season. Yeah, and the difficulty is, is in the summer, I, I didn't have any sort of issue with what Chelsea did. You know, they, they raised best part of 100 million pounds, basically through selling Cobham graduates, because that, that's the only way they could make they could bring in money because there wasn't a massive market out there this summer I remember with we'd been through all the covid people's uh finances weren't what they used to be and there wasn't much of a fo the, the foreign market in terms of coming in and signing these players on permanent deals had really decreased which gave chelsea a problem for selling some of their unwanted players so they really for the first time really cashed in hard on some of the cobham guys you know obviously uh Gerhi, and others have, have gone Tammy, and it earned them a lot of money. And I see on social media now they're getting a little bit of criticism for this, and I get that, I get that. But in terms of raising some cash, they really didn't have an awful lot of choice. And also you've got to remember that it, it, these guys wanted to go and play, and you can't just lock You can just lock them up because you've got them under contract. It's not going to do anyone any good. Um, so the best case scenario is to to get them out and get buybacks on them, which they did on a couple, and 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 hope it all goes well for all parties. I would be a bit concerned if that became a long term strategy. So if this summer all the sales are just Cobham graduates again, I think that would be a, a hazard a hazard warning a little bit. What they actually need to do this this coming summer is get rid of some of the deadwood. And not just the Deadwood, but also strategize a bit more and maybe make a few controversial sales. I, I wrote about that in one of those pieces we wrote, we talked about last week. Have a look at some of the players who in the next year or so aren't going, are, are potentially very good players now, but they're not going to get any better and see which ones you can actually trade. And I think that's, I think the sales this summer are going to be key for Chelsea. And I don't think it should just be a Cobham graduates again. And I think they need to look at shifting what they can of the deadwood and also making some clever sales, which may look odd at the time. But you see clubs do this. You know, Ferguson used to be a master of it, of, of selling players who you would think, why on earth is he selling him? And then you would realise they'd probably reach, reach the top of what they were going to reach and it, it helped them do something else. Chelsea have actually done that well in the past as well themselves. And I think this is the summer to try and do that Albeit, that's not to say they can't sell any Cobham graduate. But if it became a strategy, if we saw a strategy appear, then I would it would be a red flag for me. 
It's the selling players, uh, and I think you're kind of talking about the crop of individuals one year early versus one year late. Yeah. And then there's no more market for them, and there's, exactly. you know, there's a significant drop-off in form. Exactly. I mean, a great example, people will argue with this, a great example is what you do with Jorginho at the end of the season. Because there's going to be a drop-off with Jorginho. There's, there's got to be. Um, and do you give him a new contract? Or actually, do you sell him and, and, and move on the position? I would be in the, I look, I know people think I love Declan Rice and I don't like Jorginho because for some reason social media goes like that. Rubbish. I love Declan Rice and I think Jorginho has been an incredible success story given how things started from at Chelsea. And I've got an awful lot of respect for the guy. I've interviewed the guy and he's a lovely bloke. And it's clear he's an important person around the place as well. But I look at someone like him now and think I would be having serious conversations about whether to sell him now because you would still get very good money and a very good market for him. And yet I'd, I'm not convinced that come in a year's time that would that would still be there. And if you give him a new contract, I think you could be stuck with a player for a very long time then who you can't really move on, who falls into becoming a bit of a squad player. Not to take an unfair shot, but I mean, Matt, Arsenal have been pretty generous at taking our players that are one year past <laughs> it and paying them pretty, pretty good wages. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mikel Arteta loves Jorginho as well. He tried to sign him, didn't he? He tried to sign him when Frank first took the job. And I think in maybe the second summer. And he was part of Manchester City trying to sign him before he went to Chelsea. So that that's not the worst shout in the world. I would personally think if Jorginho were to go, and this is pure speculation, uh, and supposition at the moment, but were he to go, I, I would expect him probably to move back to Italy because that's his agent loves to come out with quotes about one day moving back to Italy. To pretty much in every international break, we hear from his agent. Just don't say Lazio; he's not a Mauricio <laughs> sorry player. He's his own man. <laughs> I tease, but uh, no, we you know what Jorginho's accomplished, especially in the last twelve years. I mean, it's the best or twelve months, it's the best run of his life. Anyone would yeah. would trade a lot. Uh, to yeah. accomplish what he has, uh, not only uh, domestically for Chelsea, but internationally with Italy. And that's uh, super impressive for him. But I think he's the perfect example uh, for that for that situation, Matt. But uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up, Matt. We appreciate all the time and knowledge and insight you've uh, shared as always. Um, and, and I mean, what? You're just kind of riding this winter transfer window. I mean, no stress, <laughs> no craziness. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately, I don't only get to cover Chelsea. So the fact that Chelsea is relatively quiet at the moment, although I, I'm always on alert with Chelsea because Chelsea have been masters over the years. At, come the 30th. Come the last day. <laughs> something comes from nowhere. And I, I've, I've experienced that so often with Chelsea. So I'll always be on alert with Chelsea. But, you I know, I, I have to, Matt with like have the... to cover other stuff. You got like the New Year glasses and the champagne flute, and he's like over his his laptop, like, "Damn it, David Luiz is coming back! Here we go!" Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that that one will always burn me. Um, but no, I, I I mean I'm covering the Aubameyang situation at Arsenal quite closely. I've got to do a lot of Tottenham, who are going to leave a lot of things very late. Um, so yeah, it's not going to be a quiet few days for me, sadly. And like I say, I'm always on standby with Chelsea because <laughs> they've proved time and time again that they're they're very capable of doing something very late and yeah. something from nowhere, something from nowhere sometimes. Cheeky, cheeky. Well, again, uh, we didn't have Nick on the root canal, so we appreciate Dan getting up at the six a.m. or as you uh, puppy train the new the new doggo. So congrats on the acquisition to your family, sir. 
Yeah, that was my uh, winter window signing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely adorable. If Dan would bother to share a photo on social media, you would always see. But anyways, uh, that's going to wrap us up. Um, I don't know what's coming next. I mean, Chelsea seem like they're not playing for a while. The women aren't being broadcast on TV. But we'll figure something out, Chelsea fans. So until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.